Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Megan, and I'm today's co-host, a junior from San Francisco studying drama with a minor in BEMT and an RA at Weinstein. And I'm Tom Ellett, your other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs. Welcome, Megan. It's nice to have you on. Thank you. It's good to be on. Great. So as our listeners know, we are taking a break from campus as part of COVID-19. So I really appreciate you taking time to be on this. And you're where are you now? I'm uh, back home in San Francisco, finally. Um, yeah, I'm so happy to be back home with my family and um, just kind of getting some extra uh, family time with them. That's great that you have that opportunity to do so. How have yeah. you been taking care of yourself? Um, I've been taking um, walks with my dog, um, trying to safely, you know, keep my social distancing from people, but also enjoying the nice weather outside and um, taking some extra self-care um, tips and, you know, practices going on. Um, classes have been kind of difficult um, with Zoom, but I actually also enjoy going to classes because I get to see some of my friends and classmates. And yeah, it's kind of a nice way to keep myself um, occupied as much as I can stay motivated to um, do work for class and kind of, you know, show up and just kind of do the best that I can with the situation. That's all you can do and a really great yeah. attitude that you have for sure. Uh, tell us where you got this whole drama uh, bug, so to speak, uh, having an MFA directing theater myself from years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of started at a pretty young age um, in choir. And um, from there, I got into musical theater. Um, and I just kind of have always loved being a part of the art scene and everything and then once I got older I kind of realized like if I wanted to do this I could do this as a career so um I figured that's what I wanted to do and yeah it's just kind of you know allowed me to make so many amazing creative friends and kind of um make different types of art with different types of people and I realized that I really loved that at a young age and I haven't stopped since well, sounds wonderful. And tonight's guest has a little bit of connection in terms of his background and what he's doing currently. So who is tonight's guest? So today our guest is Dimitri Moise, who served as an RA in Lafayette Hall for RHD Ashley Staples and RHAD Vanessa Matthews during the 2013 through 2014 academic year. Welcome, Dimitri. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to have you. Uh, how are you doing and where are you in the world? Hi there. It's so great to be on the show today. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm doing well. Hope you both are doing well, too. And I am calling in from Queens, New York. Dimitri, great to hear your voice. Um, a real a real stalwart in our staff back in that 2013-14 year at Lafayette. I remember you well. Uh, tell us a little bit. We're going to go back to your time at Washington Square. Could you tell us what you studied during your time at NYU? Yeah, I um, was a drama major at the Tisch School of the Arts, and I uh, took a minor in child and adolescent mental health studies through uh, CAS. It's so exciting to have you on the show. Um, so before we talk about your um, acting experience, um, what have you done since you've graduated from NYU? 
Well, what haven't I done? No, um, <laughs> I've always been, no, I, I say that like um, to a, almost to a fault because ever since I was a kid, I've always been like teased for being the overachiever and that definitely didn't change when I graduated. <laughs> um, but uh, I was really fortunate to start acting pretty Im- immediately after I left school. Um, I got to work on Broadway, uh, on tour, off Broadway. I've gotten to do TV. I've gotten to do commercials. Um, uh, before the before the shutdown, I was working on a new off Broadway musical at the Public uh, downtown, which was uh, really incredible. So I hope we get to do that show again when everything goes back to normal, hopefully. Um, and then uh, through my acting, I was able to use that platform and expand into other interests that I had in my life. So some of those included. Uh, writing, for example. Um, I got the opportunity to manage uh, a national publication, which was really cool. It was a brand new magazine that was uh, geared toward men of color. It was called Chill Magazine. And after our first year, we won two folio awards for best new magazine and editorial team of the year. So that was something really cool to get to work on and be an editor and um, live a very fast-paced editorial life which was uh, exciting. I got to produce a bit as well. Um, And then I also have a really strong passion for social activism. And I'm, I'm lucky that my platform gave me a lot of room to um, explore that passion. So I really gotten to use my voice to stand up for things that um, mean a lot to me in the world. You have done a lot of things. And so we're going to talk, we're going to, I can't wait to get through all of those things one by one. Uh, But first, let's talk a little bit about your your time in Washington Square. What did you do extracurricularly outside of the RA position? Hmm, Okay, I was an admissions ambassador. I loved being an admissions ambassador. Oh my God, it was so fun. I remember being a senior in high school and Michael Brick, shout out to Michael Brick, was um, the tour guide when I was a senior and I was so blown away by his tour. I was like, I need to be that person next year. Um, and honestly, it's because of Michael Brick that I applied to be an admissions ambassador. Um, and I was also in an acapella group called the NYU Harmonics was so fun oh my gosh we had a great I had a great time they are still super popular on campus so you probably made a big legacy with them um oh my god they're so cool yeah, yeah. they they just won um I think a national I award. saw how they won ICCAs yeah so um what originally made you apply for the RA position well what made me apply for the RA position I you know getting involved um has always been something that I've, I've loved to do. And when I was at NYU, I was just really excited to be there. Um, and I wanted to get involved in any way that I could. So um, being an ambassador was one, an admissions ambassador. And um, I decided to apply to be an RA because my freshman year, I lived in Founders Hall, and which was so dope. And um, Kadeem Harris, shout out to Kadeem, was my RA. And he was just such a, he was such a positive energy on the floor. Um, I don't, I don't remember if I ever like opened up to him about this, but at the time I, I had just come out of the closet and 
here I, here I was like, I grew up in Queens and Long Island, but I hadn't lived alone. And here I was this newly out gay baby in the world. And um, Kadeem was just kind of always there, whatever we needed to talk or um, whenever there was an issue. And he really like inspired me. I was, I, I loved what, what he, what he did. And so I decided my last year that, okay, if I had one year left at NYU, I would love to be an RA if I can during that year. And I knew it was going to be pretty hard because uh, being a student at Tisch and being an RA, believe me, is um, a feat. And um, I'm, I'm quite shocked that I made it happen. Um, but I was able to do it. And it was honestly the best year I, I could have asked for. Well, that's great to hear. And Kadeem, I know well, he's a Facebook friend of mine and uh, lived in Founders as well, still do. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Lafayette staff. I mean, there's a real reputation because they're so large uh, and, and the kind of commitment they have and the kind of camaraderie they have. What was your experience at Lafayette? Uh, that's, uh, that's so funny you ask. I mean, that that um, definitely holds true. I was really close with my staff. Um, we hung out a lot together. We had a Facebook group that I think people still might be commenting on. Um, and I, I love looking at what everyone is doing um, on my staff. Everyone has been doing such incredible things. Um, and my RHAD, shout out to Vanessa Matthews, my girl. I could like go to her whenever I was dealing with like whatever I was going through. Vanessa and I could just like talk it out girl to girl. And it was honestly like it was the best. Um, my co-RA was really incredible as well because, um, as as y'all know, the floors at, at Lafayette um, house many students, and our floor had I think seventy-seven students on it. And uh, Megna Rao uh, was my co-RA, and she was just such a great person to bounce off of. Um, we complimented each other really, really well, and we had a wonderful time. And um, Dimitri, what skills do you think that you gained from the role that maybe helped you um, in your career as an actor? Hmm. I would say, I would say definitely um, social skills. I I was really able to gain. Um, I feel like being an RA um, is almost like a college version of being the chaperone at the high school dance where you're like there, but you're just, you're present and you're aware, you know? And um, as an RA, I, I felt like awareness was such, an, was such an important thing to have. And so in social settings, especially as an actor, um, whether that's during rehearsal or um, when you're backstage during a show, because everyone functions differently and we're all working in close quarters, or if you're at an opening night party, or if you're talking to producers, um, getting drinks after a show one night, all of these require, um, I would say, pretty complex um, social and interpersonal skills that I was really able to take with me um, from my time being an RA. Um, I'd also say, um, I, I like to think of myself as like a pretty, as neutral, pragmatic person as I can be. I try to look at both sides as often as I can whenever there are issues that arise like among my friends. Um, and that is something that we have to do as an RA too. I remember times when I had roommates coming to me with issues um, where one person had one side of the story, another person had another side, and 
I have to be that person to ensure that I wasn't taking one side or the other, but I was really giving a fair assessment of the situation and what was going on. Um, so I think that those are some of the skills that I gained for sure. Let's transition a little bit to the acting world. What gave you the bug? What, what was the impetus for wanting to get on the stage? Oh my gosh, the bug. I didn't get the bug until high school. Um, wow. Yeah, I, well, I grew up in uh, a Haitian household. So I, I'm first generation born Haitian and my, my parents, you know, it's, it's not typical um, in, in Haitian culture to pursue a career in the arts. That's just not something that you do. Um, so it really wasn't like, like theater wasn't really a part of my growing up, but I, when I got to high school, I, um, I realized that I had an act for singing. And so my mom, because she didn't want me to have a free period, forced me to audition for the Glee Club. <laughs> and so I auditioned for the Glee Club and I got in and, um, a lot of my friends in the Glee Club were also in drama club. So one night, uh, like one one day, one of my friends in the Glee Club was like, hey, our musical is tonight. If you want to come see it, you should. It's only five bucks. And so I was on the swim team also at the time. And we, I had practice. And then I like brought my swim gear to the theater. And I sat in the front row. And the musical was Godspell. And I remember sitting there. It was, it was honestly the first like theater show I had seen ever. And it felt, it felt like Broadway to me. And I was so mesmerized seeing my own friends being these larger than life personalities on stage and singing and dancing and just being, being what looked like so free. And I just, I, I wanted to do that. And I, I auditioned for the musical the next year. And I got the lead in that. And then honestly, from there, it just like, it soared. And then when I found out that you could go to college for theater, I was like, oh, I'm going to apply to college for theater. Um, and that's when I, I got into NYU. And then I got into the studio that I wanted to, the musical theater studio. And I was like, Ooh, okay, we're going to NYU. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break, but we'll come back and we're going to jump into your role as an HIV activist and as your experience working in the entertainment industry. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all. My name is Jordan Woods Robinson. I was Tish, uh, graduating class of 2006 and an RA in the Brittany Hall in uh, the years 2004 to 2005. Uh, and I'm an actor and I am a blue man in Blue Man Group down in Orlando, Florida. You may also spot me on The Walking Dead and Homeland and The Hunger Games. Um, and if you're ever in the area or ever perusing Netflix, please check me out. Also, uh, I now run an acting studio in Orlando, Florida, that is translating theatrical acting tools for film and TV actors. It's a lot of the same. It's different muscles. It's different muscles. And so to be able to translate that and to be able to expand your career into film and TV, if you ever want to just hit me up for a Skype coaching or to talk about industry standards or anything else, you can reach out to me at bookfromtape.com, B-O-O-K-F-R-O-M-T-A-P-E.com, and we'll schedule a time to talk. Dimitri, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your inspiration for the theater world. We want to talk a little bit about your um, roles, uh, multiple roles that you talked about earlier uh, in your introduction. Uh, so let's start off by talking a little bit about your successful career on the stage to date. 
is it true that just a few hours after graduation, you made your Broadway debut? And if so, what show was it? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have the picture to prove it. Picture it didn't happen, I always say. I made my debut in The Book of Mormon. It was really cool. What's, what's funny, though, is that I almost made a faux debut the day before. I was at Grad Alley with my parents. And I got a phone call at Grad Alley from my stage manager at the time because my debut was scheduled for graduation day. And she calls and, and she's like, um, Dimitri, how quick can you get to the theater? So-and-so is on a bus from DC and they're not going to make it and you might have to go on. And I was like, uh, uh, okay. And I got to the theater and she ended up showing up and I didn't have to go on. So my debut went as scheduled on my graduation day. Wow. That is um, actually my favorite Broadway show, and I had tickets to it um, before all the theaters got shut down. So hopefully I'll ah. be able to. I know it, it would have been my fourth time ah. seeing it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But you've seen it before, though. That's oh, I've seen it many times before. <laughs> yes. Um, so this question I'm really interested in, um, it might be really helpful, um, for myself as an actor and any other actors who might be listening. Um, how do you normally prepare for your audition and, and what is the process like for you, um, for getting into new roles? Sure. Um, that's a good question. That, that answer, it's changed. And I think that the preparation and process kind of always changes as you grow up. But these days, kind of what I do is I always want to make sure that if I'm going in for a role, I, I want to try and get inside of the character as much as possible. Um, because as, as, much as, as much as I want to be this person that I'm auditioning for, I want to be able to show the team, the director, the producers, that I can still be myself through this person. Because I as the actor, I'm the vessel for this character's story. So I try and look at um, wh where I see myself in that character. I'll think about um, what is a day in the life like for this character um, from, from morning to sunset. And I'll kind of write that day out and, and think through it and kind of act through that and really try and um, get as much of a feel for um, who this character is. What are their mannerisms like? Um, how fast do they talk? How slow do they talk? Um, what sort of things get them, you know, um, upset? Or are there any trigger words in the script for them? Um, so those are kind of some of the ways that I that I prepare. That's really interesting. And, and so when you think about where you're performing, is there a difference between Broadway level productions and off-Broadway or touring shows or other performances you have done? as it relates to the preparation, but also the quality that you find in working with the people in those different venues? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, there are a lot of differences everywhere you go. Um, there's, a very, there's a very big difference between Broadway and Off-Broadway. Um, Off-Broadway is a lot broader and stretches uh, more territory and a lot of different types of theaters. Um, I'm really fortunate that I've gotten to work at mostly high-level Broadway shows, off-Broadway theaters, and touring companies. So my experience is definitely not the same as everyone else's experience. But for me, um, the main difference between the Broadway shows that I've done and the off-Broadway shows that I've done, the Broadway shows that I've done, I've been a replacement. 
which which basically means I I get the role. I have two weeks to learn this character's track, their onstage traffic and backstage traffic. And then I make my debut two weeks late, uh, that Tuesday following the two week rehearsal. Two weeks? Um, so, mm-hmm. That's it? Yeah. Oh, That's it. You get two weeks and then your put in is at the end of the end of the two weeks. And then that following Tuesday is your debut. Um, so it's really like stand here, stand there. This is your number. You're happy. You're sad. You're this, you're that. And then I just do it as opposed to the shows that I've done off Broadway, which have all been original works. So um, those have been, you know, five week processes where we're really getting inside of what the show is. We get to uh, work on the set before we go on the, you know, um, build, you know, sometimes build a set before you actually go to the real set. So we get to practice and make sure that we're safe before we go onto the real set. Um, so it's a much more complex process and takes a lot more time because we're building something from scratch. Um, and then on tour, on tour is the same way. Um, I was a replacement and then I opened a tour. So we had, so when I replaced two week rehearsal and then you debut, and then when I opened Beautiful, the Carol King musical, um, the second national tour, we had a four week like tech uh, rehearsal run. So um, a lot of us had already known the show. So we were just kind of like refreshing in rehearsal and also working with all the automation. And then after four weeks, we opened in our first city. Um, so it's really different um, depending on the type of show, if it's an original show, if it's a long running show, um, a limited run, it, it really depends. So how is it that you're able to juggle your performing career with your uh, activism and volunteering career? And you, you've done um, volunteering with groups like Broadway Serves, and um, you've also co-founded Torch, which is a nonprofit about um, arts entrepreneurship. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you manage all of that? Oh my gosh. Well, these days I'm taking a lot more time for myself, to be honest. Um, but um, I really love all these things that I do. So I actually derive energy from a lot of this work, uh, which is something that is like shocking even to myself. So it surprisingly isn't that difficult to juggle. Um, it's just a matter of really making sure I can stay organized and focused. Um, you know, every day is is a different day for me in, in terms of my schedule. It can be um, like minute to minute or I could have like two things to do. Um, it really depends. I would say that like for me, making sure I stay organized on top of my Google calendar, like no one's business and and really staying focused on on the tasks at hand. You've been a, I would say, a social justice educator and someone who's committed to educating others on on very important health issues in the context for your own life as an undetectable advocate for the eradication of HIV stigma, while addressing the disparities that exist with marginalized communities. Could you tell us a little bit more about this initiative? and how the work you're doing is making a difference for these marginalized communities. I, it's funny. I, I look at a lot of this as like a very dark blessing. Um, 
when I, when I got, when I was given the opportunity to come, come out with my HIV status, um, like the way I came out was through this very splashy, like magazine spread. They flew me to LA to do this shoot. Like it was ridiculous. And it took me a while to um, make that decision on whether or not I wanted to do that because I knew that once I made that decision, um, if I said yes, that would change the trajectory of my life forever. Um, and I really spent time thinking about what it is I wanted to do and what is my purpose on, on earth and why am I here? And um, I got kind of, uh, kind of a revelation that, you know, this is something that I will have the privilege of doing and I will be able to put a face and a, and a name to something that can be really scary for people that may look differently to people. And then also for people who look like me who are too ashamed or guilty or, um, or, or don't want to, to come out for whatever, whatever that, that reason is cultural, societal, um, they get to see someone who looks like them. And that's something that I wished I had growing up. Um, I, I, I remember the first time I had a person of color as a teacher was at NYU. Like that was the first time I had a teacher who looked like me. And, um, and so getting that opportunity to, to be that face for people, um, I, I think is, you know, for something bigger. And, you know, I was really nervous when I, I made the decision and then I, I, you know, we did the shoot and did the thing. And then they told me the date when it was coming out. Um, and I, and I had like time to prepare for it. And, and um, so I, I, I'm lucky in that way. And I was nervous. I, I thought that like my agents were going to drop me. I thought like everything was going to be over. Like my life is done. And then it happened. And like the, the outpour of support and love that I got was just, it was so overwhelming. I, I really couldn't believe it. And then, and that was two years ago. And, and then from then I started getting, you know, people started to like post about it. People started reaching out to me, media outlets, um, magazines, um, HIV organizations um, to either, you know, talk to them or share my story. Um, I, I get messages every single day from people all over the world who thank me for um, the work that I'm doing, who, um, like, for example, there was this, um, I was working on a play, and it was our opening night of the play, and there was, I, like, randomly opened my Instagram, and I checked that extra inbox that no one ever looks at, and there happened to be a message from a person who was living in Africa. And this person reached out to me and, and said that they had recently been diagnosed and were ready to commit suicide, not to bring the whole mood down. And, um, and, and then that person said, but I saw your, I saw your features. I've seen the work that you've been doing. I read your story and I wanted to reach out to you because you look like me. And if, if I don't hear from you, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I dropped everything I was doing that day. And I spent my whole day just talking to this person thousands of miles away in Africa on Instagram. And that was a year ago. And today, um, thankfully, he's doing well. And we're still keeping in touch. Like, it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, like, to hear that, 
that this person's like, okay, I'm going on a date now. How do I talk about it? Or, you know, asking for advice. And um, it feels really good to, to know that even for one person, you know, I've, I've been able to, to make a difference in that way. It's a beautiful story, and I think a great um, reflection on your values and who you are and how you live your life. So uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, it really, one person going out and reaching out across uh, yeah. makes such a difference. Like Lady Gaga says, well, it only <laughs> takes one person. There you go. <laughs> Lady Gaga, yes. <laughs> I would love to actually ask a follow-up question on that really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So with that really powerful connection with someone that you, I assume, had never met in person before, how do you think that has changed, you know, the way that you do art and the way that you kind of, um, you know, think about, you know, the human connection and maybe nowadays, um, now that we're not really having as much face-to-face -face interaction, like, how did that how did that kind of impact you after you had that connection um it honestly uh changed everything um i i'm really mindful about how i am on on social media obviously nobody's perfect i'm not perfect but i really do take the time to make to make sure that i am putting good things out into the world and i think that social media can be really really powerful um and we can use that power for immense good or for immense bad. Um, thankfully, during this time, this pandemic, we've been seeing it, you know, in in really positive ways, which is which is really exciting. And I hope that that continues, um, you know, once things go somewhat back to normal. Um, and then things really, really changed when I I got to work on um, a national campaign, an HIV awareness campaign, and and it's been airing, it's been airing. And um, now that like, it's really out in the world, um, it, it honestly makes even more of a difference now that I'm, I'm mindful of, of different communities and groups because now people are seeing my face like during the Golden Globes or during SNL um, and people recognize me and will reach out on social media or will comment on a caption that I wrote, um, six months ago, or, um, you know, so it, it honestly, like it, it, it really matters. And, um, even if you don't think that the things you personally are putting out anyone, um, out there, uh, the things that you're putting out like matter or the things that you say matter, they, they honestly do. Absolutely do. I'll get in trouble with my producer if I don't ask the question about another performing aspect of your career. Uh, you were on the show, The Last OG. Uh, you played a oh my God. character. Could you tell us a little bit about the character <laughs> and being on TV versus stage? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, okay. Um, being on TV versus stage is very, very, the different. Um, I, well, to talk about The Last OG, that was such a cool experience. I was a very small role. Um, Marcel Jeffries was, had a brief stint as Tiffany Haddish's assistant in season one. Um, and it was my first time working on a pilot, working on a TV show. Um, I got to be in a closed rehearsal with Jordan Peele, Tracy Morgan, Tiffany Haddish, 
Um, and I got to work really closely with them and, and look at how a pilot was made versus how a show is made, which is, you know, a completely, a totally different process. Um, and having it be my first TV show too, like, I'm not going to lie. I was so, so nervous. I remember, um, I remember we were working on a, on a scene that was at night outside. It was like three in the morning and they just, they just chalked my mark in on the sidewalk in this like white chalk. I could barely see it. And then they closed the door like that we had to exit. And then I had to just hit my mark from opening the door and not looking at the mark. That was one of the hardest things. They kept being like, Dimitri, your mark. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be kid. I'm like, I can't even hit my mark. Uh, um, but, but it was a really, really cool experience. And I can't wait to do more, you know? <laughs> so was that maybe one of the more memorable favorite roles that you've been in? Or do you have one that really stands out to you? Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, less so for the role, more so for the experience, you know, getting to, getting to just like be with Tracy Morgan and, you know, hear about all the things that he's done and talk to Jordan Peele about this scene. And like, it was just a moment that I could not believe was happening. Um, so I, I would say that was definitely my favorite experience. My favorite role, um, is probably... I got to work on Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and I played one of the drifters in the show. And I saw Beautiful my junior year of college, and I literally pointed at the role that I that I ended up playing, and I was like, I would love to be that role. And then I got to like be that drifter, and that was just a very full circle moment for me. Um, it was really humbling, and that was probably my favorite role. So I need to ask you, as we, you know, really market this towards uh, current RAs uh, in terms of those who are looking for careers, what advice do you have for RAs who want to go into the world of performing arts? I would say one, say yes. Um, it's really important to, once you're out in the world and um, you're brand new and, and you're and you're getting your feet wet, try and get involved in as many things as you can. Um, and also something that can be really helpful if you're not able to, for example, get something right away um, in acting, I would dip my toe in, in other fields immediately. And that's something that I wish I had done um, when I had left, when I'd left school, it would have been really awesome to have not only focused on you know, what shows am I doing? Like, what, what am I acting in next? And I could have also been thinking about what am I acting in next, but also what am I going to write? But also what am I going to direct? Um, because nowadays the business is changing so much. And by the time a student leaves college, the business will probably expect them to not only be an actor, but also be a director, producer, writer, editor, um videographer because honestly like the kids are doing everything these days um so i would really tell an ra who's looking to get into acting um be a multi be a multidisciplinary actor make sure you can do things in addition to just acting um because that's what the business is calling for these days we have talked about so much that you have done you've done um an incredible amount of um nonprofit work and you've, you're an advocate and you're a producer, director, actor. 
out of everything, um, what work and what projects specifically do you think that you are most proud of? You know, I would say I'm most proud of the magazine that I, I, I helped create. Chill Magazine. It was really cool because it was my first time, like, I had never worked in editorial ever. I hadn't, like, written a piece that was published. I, like, it was so brand new for me. And I, I just said yes when they asked me if I was interested. And I got to learn so much about how that world works and functions. I got to do such cool things like interview Spike Lee when Black Klansman came out. I got to interview Topher Grace. I got to interview um, Monroe Bergdorf, who's an amazing trans activist and model based in London. I got to like do all these really cool things with that magazine. And then we ended up winning um, the highest awards you can get in, in publishing um, because of our work. And I was super proud of that because that was a really hard thing. You are so multi-talented, and I and I mean that sincerely. I mean to be able to be a writer, a creator, uh, on the stage, recreating other people's work. Uh, it, it's a real testament to, and you're so young. That's why I'm taking a break now, sitting on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but thanks, Tom. Absolutely. At this point, we get you a chance to shout out. Who are some of those RA alums that you stay in contact with? Oh, shout out to Miles Mercer. If you're listening, Miles, um, and I still keep in touch. Um, quick funny story about Miles. I, well, I was an MLK scholar at NYU. And um, when we did the Dean's MLK weekend, um, we stayed at a, a current student's room uh, who hosted us. And Miles was my host. Um, and he was so great and so awesome. And then like, I never, I didn't see him again until I got to NYU. And then we were admissions ambassadors together. He was also an RA. Um, so hi, Miles. Uh, Ryan Aguirre. Ryan is such a sweetheart. We still keep in touch. Nick Jensen. Um, Joseph Dupree. I got to see him when I was on tour, I think with Book of Mormon. And he was, he lives in Philly now. And we got to play Philly and I got to spend time with him in, in Philadelphia. Um, who else? Ali Waxman. Ali Waxman's awesome. So great. Um, and then I just think about a lot of my like law staff. You know, I think about Vanessa Matthews a lot and Joe Strider's doing amazing stuff. I saw him on Instagram the other day. Cody Ball's doing really good stuff. Document documentarian. He's doing awesome. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Great, great. Time for speed round. So do you remember seeing any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Okay, when I was a freshman, I saw Anderson Cooper biking around Washington Square Park all the time, and I would yell my number out to him. <laughs> Every time I saw him. Did he ever stop? No, we won't ask you that. We won't ask you that. Who was your favorite NYU professor? Oh my gosh, don't make me do that. The tissues <laughs> will kill me. Um, my, my favorite, my favorite. I'm going to say Michael McElroy. Uh, Michael McElroy is a Broadway performer, Tony Award winner. Um, he was the head of the vocal performance department in the musical theater um, studio. He was, he was phenomenal. Um, do you remember any of the dining halls? And if so, which one was by far the best one? I'm going to say Downstein. 
Bouncing was my favorite because a lot of memories were made with the new studio kids, like the musical theater kids. A lot, we always went to Weinstein, like after classes. So I'm gonna, uh, so I'm gonna sit down with Bean. Bouncing's my favorite. Represent Weinstein. Hey! (laughs) There you go, Weinstein. Finally, Dimitri, what was your most memorable RA experience? Uh, My most memorable RA experience? We had a really um, great budget. Thank you, Lafayette. Um, And so I took my residents to see Broadway shows literally all the time. And we got to see Fun Home. And I, because it's me, I always like paired, like you didn't just see the show. We had to talk about it. We had to make sure, you know, you got the lesson and we, you know, whatever. So we had like, uh, we go see Fun Home at the public and then we talk about it after. And I didn't really know anything about Fun Home when I went to see it. And it's a really incredible story about um, um, a a lesbian woman who ends up uh, telling her relationship, it's a really broken relationship with her father who's in the closet. And I was really moved by the show. And I was worried that my residents were going to be like a little like turned off, to be honest. And afterward, when we got to talk about it and they were all just as moved. And it made me feel really good to know that I was able to bring all these residents to something that really opened their eyes and made them think really differently about um, things in the world. So I'd say that was my most memorable um, experience. Wow. I feel so grateful to have kind of taken this time to talk about your journey and your life after NYU. I'm so grateful. Seriously. Well, okay. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time um, to chat. Like this has been so helpful for me and I'm sure for many of our listeners too. Um, And for the listeners, you can all stay connected with NYU alums, you know, and talking about your dream life after um, graduation. So thank you so much again, Dimitri, for uh, coming on to the, to the show with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Demetria, you're a special person, and I do want to give special shout out to you for coming back to meet with the RAs during our Spring Development Day and a number of RAs that came up back to me to tell me about how wonderful you were and taking the time to really uh, tell them about your life and taking chances and risks in the in the hopes of making a difference in people's lives. So we're blessed to have you as the Aww. NYU family. So thank you. Continued Aww. success truly continued success and we look forward to seeing you on another broadway stage in another magazine another advocacy i mean the list will go on i'm sure you'll be writing as well so thank you dimitri you're most welcome special thanks to my engineer alejandra aravala and our executive producer shahara ranasing and the current professional staff and the alum of nyu like Ashley and Vanessa, who assisted these great RAs and skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on our NYU RA alumni website, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all-time favorite memories, and ways to be mentored. Until next time, remember to thank all of those healthcare workers out there who are doing so much to help others during this difficult moment in time. Take care, everybody.